see you guys. Uh, hey, during the Lenten season, uh, we are doing a special series of messages on Sunday. We've titled this Living the Future. And we've got two things in mind with this series. Uh, first of all, we want to look ahead to the end of the story, the end of the Bible, uh, looking at when God fully restores creation and humanity, and we're asking him to interject those very realities into our present day experience. We long to experience today what's going to happen at the very end, what Revelation 21 describes, where God is dwelling among his people. Everything is set back to his original design. There's no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. It's all been made right again. And so as again, we talked about a couple weeks ago, this is where all of this is heading. And what we're wanting to do is to draw in and say, God, would you make more and more of that a reality right now in our lives? So looking ahead to the end is one of the focuses for this current sermon series. Uh, another one is looking more closely at the person of Jesus. Uh, as we see who Jesus is, we also get a lens to the future. And when we connect with Jesus, the things that are true about him, they become accessible uh, to us. Uh, so for most of this series, what we've been doing is looking at some of these I am statements. They're found in the Gospel of John, uh, these seven different statements that Jesus makes about himself uh, to describe both who he is and also what it is like uh, to connect with him. So again on here, John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd in John 10. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says, and he says, I am the true vine. This morning, we're going to zero in on the fourth one uh, in that list, where Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's just a couple of verses. Would you read that aloud with me as we get that to sink in? Let's sing that, read that together. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. As you know, uh, Jesus would often take uh, different elements of everyday life. Many of you know that. He would utilize those as teaching moments. Uh, in this case, in John 10, uh, he's taking what Middle Eastern listeners of his day would have been very familiar with, uh, this talk about sheep and shepherds. Uh, for hundreds of years, these were super central to their culture. Not only that, Jesus was drawing upon these key pieces of Old Testament literature, where God was repeatedly described as the shepherd, as the shepherd of his people. So again, this is something else that the people of Jesus' day, these original listeners, would have picked up on, and they likely would have been challenged by. Because what here is Jesus was doing, he wasn't just talking about this distant God being this theoretical shepherd. He was saying, I am that shepherd right in front of you. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of what you've been waiting for. I am the good shepherd that embodies all that you hope for. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to touch on a few items um, from these two verses in John 10, uh, unpacking what Jesus says about being our good shepherd. And then we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to actually spend some time in Psalm 23, now, this famous passage that describes God uh, as our shepherd. And as we prepare to do that, let me pray as we begin. God, we just come to you. Um, thank you that we can come as we are. And Lord, we just say this simple prayer that we want to do more today than just know things about you. 
We want to actually experience them in our lives. And so specifically today, like uh, we don't want to simply be convinced or reminded intellectually <laughs> that you're our good shepherd. God, we want to experience it. God, we just need that in our individual lives. God, we need that as a church in this season. And so, Lord, we just ask you, would you come? Would you come even right now? God, be our good shepherd and lead us in this moment, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, again, here's how we're going to go at this. Uh, So John 10 uh, is going to give some really good background and context to this idea of Jesus being our good shepherd. And then as we walk through Psalm 23, we're going to get super practical, okay? And we're going to look at what can we actually receive. If Jesus is our good shepherd, what can we experience? What can we receive in relating uh, to him? So first in John 10, 14, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Uh, It's important to not over-sentimentalize this uh, image. We might think of a kindly old man holding cuddly lambs. Uh, Now, there may be some elements of that in the work of a shepherd, but it goes so much beyond that. Um, You know, as a shepherd, um, there would be so many other things that they would be involved in. And I think it even comes with the Greek word that's used here when describing the shepherd. Uh, It's this word kalos. And it's it's translated here in the New International Version as good, but it could also be translated as noble. Now, we might use the word noble to describe someone with a significant title or that comes with a privileged background, like something like you'd see on Downton Abbey or something like that. But there's another way to use the word noble, right? Where it describes someone with exceptional character qualities. That's what's be pointing to uh, here. And so again, it's, it's the shepherd's job. It's severe, it's tiring, it's hazardous. It requires tremendous courage to care for the flock and resilience to lead them to their intended destination. So that's one area of background. Here's another one. Another uh, further background item for John 10 is the image of a flock of sheep in a desert where food and water are scarce. Predators are everywhere and the sheep are vulnerable. Actually, we can't downplay the seriousness or the threatening nature of this environment. So for a shepherd to lead a flock through desolate region with bandits and hungry animals, this was serious business. Shepherds commonly carried a wooden staff that might be four or five foot tall that served chiefly as a defense weapon. And they were also skilled with the sling and stone, much like if you're familiar with uh, King David, uh, David the shepherd in the Old Testament, how they'd be able to use that as another defense uh, mechanism. And then when under attack, a shepherd would try to find a sheep pen that then they would stand between the flock and whatever might be threatening them with danger. Get a little bit of this picture in mind? Okay, this is precarious to territory. And the shepherd's trying to lead these, these sheep, this flock, through uh, this, this uh, different difficulties. There's a fierceness that's required to be this kind of good shepherd, just as Jesus describes himself as. He has this noble character that's needed to lead his sheep forward. Here's the next thing. Uh, John 10 also promises, uh, points to this promise, that Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him. Again, taking a bit of context, Uh, this would be natural for Jesus' original listeners uh, to understand, but it might be a little more foreign uh, to us. 
Middle Eastern shepherds are well known for having this personal devotion uh, to their sheep. Uh, shepherds would talk to their sheep. They would often sing to their sheep. Uh, many of them would carry maybe like a little uh, flute or some kind of a musical instrument where they'd play a little tune, you know, and they'd have this specific little tune that they would play that then their sheep would know, oh, that's my shepherd. Uh, this is where I'm going to go. This consistent auditory cue for them to follow. Uh, even today, uh, Arab uh, shepherds can separate personal sheep from larger flocks by using these specific kinds of calls. And their sheep follow when they hear their shepherds call. Again, I think what Jesus is saying here in John 10 is this is the way that he interacts with us. We're his sheep. He's our shepherd. This is how he relates to us like this. Verse 15 goes on even farther where Jesus says that that close relationship that he has with the Father is the same kind of relationship that we can have with him. It says that he knows us and that we can know him. It's not just a one-way street. It is a back-and-forth relationship. Now, this talking about a close relationship with God in this way was jarring to many in Jesus' day. It's one of the things that got Jesus in the most trouble uh, with the religious leaders of the first century. Uh, they were fine with talking about God as creator, maybe even God as king, but God as father? Man, it was scandalous. Uh, but so often, Jesus consistently used this word, Abba, uh, to talk about God. It's the Hebrew equivalent of what we might say, Daddy or Papa. There's endearment, there's an intimacy of connection there between a father and a child. And so here in John 10, Jesus is reiterating, this is the close relationship that he has with the father, and this is the same connection that we're drawn into as we relate uh, to him. Again, he knows us, and we can know him. And then at the end of uh, verse 15, Jesus says this, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Jesus modeled this throughout his life and ministry. He modeled it by the way that he served others and healed people, as well as the risks that he took. He was willing to, take, to welcome unwanted individuals into the surprising experience with God. But most specifically, what Jesus was pointing to of course, was foreshadowing to his eventual death on the cross, that Jesus was willing to die because of his profound commitment to the ones that he loved. He was obedient to God, even to the point of death, so that we could enter into the fullness of life that he offers. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 5. He writes, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Again, if we think about this idea of Jesus not only being a good shepherd, but a noble shepherd, this is where he leads us. This is the heart, the noble heart of Jesus, the good shepherd. He's laying down his life for us so that we could be forgiven and that we could be set free. Okay, there's a lot more that we can unpack in John chapter 10. Um, actually, in a few weeks, I think we're going to be uh, looking at the other I am statement. There's another one here in John 10 um, where Jesus says, I am the door, or he says, I am the gate, depending on which translation you're reading. And we'll get a chance to dig into some more things from John chapter 10 then. 
for today, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I want to spend some time in a familiar passage of Scripture, uh, Psalm 23. Okay? And so uh, if you're here in person, why don't you go ahead and grab a Bible, uh, turn to page 377. If you're watching online, if you prefer to pull out your favorite digital device, go ahead and do that and open up uh, to Psalm 23. And what you find, let me just reemphasize um, one of my hopes with this. Uh, again, this is a familiar passage to a number of us. Um, I want to reemphasize the practical approach that we're going to take as we look at Psalm 23. Uh, we don't want to simply read this and think, oh, what a nice piece of poetry, or oh, those are some nice comforting thoughts. No, this is meant to be incredibly practical. You know, and so as we read these words, what we're invited into is this real experience with God, a real interactive experience with him as our shepherd, okay? And so we're going to read Psalm 23 and encourage you actually to just keep this open. We're going to be just going through this verse by verse, uh, but let's go ahead and read the whole thing uh, to give us uh, the background here. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a good reason why this is such a <laughs> favorite of folks, you know, particularly when they face difficulties. Um, it's just an amazing piece of God's heart um, that's revealed in the scriptures. I mean, for our time this morning, um, Here's what I want to do. I want to get super practical, and here's the question that I want to use as a framework as we explore Psalm 23. I want to use the question, what can we receive from this good shepherd? So if Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, this is who I am, what can we hope to, what can we expect to actually receive from him as we relate to him as our good shepherd? Now, some of you may have read, uh, first read Psalm 23, um, maybe previous in your life, uh, in a translation like the Old King James, which renders verse 1 as, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't know if anybody else had this experience as a young Christian. I read that, and here's what I took away. Sit down, shut up, and don't ask for anything. <laughs> um, maybe that was just me. I don't know, but I've heard of other people that have, have said that. I think that's unfortunate because I think actually the context of everything else we read here is exactly the opposite. You know, so in the NIV, it reads, um, the Lord is my shepherd, um, I lack nothing. I, I even like um, in the New Living Translation, the way it renders it even better, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. There's like this sense of because God is leading. God is shepherding his people. God is shepherding you and I. I can be content. I'm being taken care of. I'm well cared for because God is moving forward. And so along those lines, as we continue to work through Psalm 23, you might ask yourself, what is it that I need? Maybe even today, what is it that I need that the good shepherd has promised to provide? 
Okay. It's helpful to remember that the Psalms are poetry, and as poetic literature, one element that appears is this use of parallelism. parallelism that's a hard word to say. Um, and we actually see this in verses 2 and 3. The first, two, uh, first lines in verses 2 and 3 go together, and then the second lines also echo one another. Okay? And so again, here's what we read in verses 2 and 3. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Okay, so here's the first thing. Back to our question, what can we receive from the good shepherd? First, he provides rest and renewal. The good shepherd provides rest and renewal to us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And lying down in green pastures is a symbol for rest. But those places of rest don't come easily. Remember the background um, of these, uh, these passages, the image of that, of a shepherd leading their sheep through a desert into a place of security. Uh, even in the geography of where this was set near Jerusalem, during the bulk of the year, the outskirts of that region are largely inhospitable to life. Uh, Water is scarce in the desert. Food is rare. So it takes a skilled shepherd to guide their sheep to the sustenance they need day by day. So that's one part of the year, but in other months, um, there's actually where the rains come. Um, and then suddenly portions of the desert will bloom with surprising uh, number of plants. And there that season brings green pastures for the flock to find this added rest. So tracking back to John 10, Jesus' image is that of these well-fed sheep. <laughs> whose shepherd knows how to lead them to pasture and water daily, and at night that the shepherd gives them the safe rest, often in these sturdy walls of what's called a sheepfold. Uh, the sheep are able to be content thanks to the skills of that shepherd. Okay, so we just want to see the parallels here, that Jesus is saying this is the way that he works with us. Whether we're in a desert season or we're in a season of green pastures, either one of those or anything in between, he knows how to provide exactly what we need. Verse 3 goes on to say, the good shepherd refreshes my soul. I'll tell you a story. Here's one way I experienced this a few years ago. Uh, it was back in 2019. Uh, I found myself uh, really drained in the aftermath of um, officiating three really tragic funerals, just in quick order. Um, one of them was the death by a murderer. Another one was a traffic accident, and another one was a drug overdose. And so after that third memorial service, um, I just found myself just like super weary. Um, and as I was sitting down to, to pray one morning, just having my morning devotions, I felt like God led me to Psalm 23 and just invited me to say, Brian, just spend some time here. And so I started reading. I got to verse 3 where it says, he refreshes my soul. And I just parked there. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I just need that. God, would you just come? I am so weary. Would you refresh? Would you restore my soul? And actually, for a number of weeks, um, that's all I did in my morning devotions. I just read as much of Psalm 23 as I could, and often I only got to verse 3. <laughs> and I just prayed this over and over again. God, would you just come? 
I just, I just need you refreshing. Would you restore me? Um, at that time, I was also reading a bilingual uh, Bible, uh, so English and Spanish. And I love the way that um, the Spanish Bible that I was reading um, would translate this uh, verse 3. It would um, transliterate into, he infuses me with new strength. That's what it talks about with refreshing my soul. Anybody need an infusion? <laughs> new strength restoration, refreshing. Man, like that's what I experienced then. Again, just tell you, like this is something I'm coming back to right now in this current season. This is what the Good Shepherd provides for us. He restores our soul. He renews us. He infuses us with new strength. You know, maybe you're right out today. You might be in a spot where you're feeling weary or in need of rest. Friends, Jesus, the good shepherd, he's committed to your renewal as you look to him. Next, the good shepherd provides leadership and guidance. This is the end of verses two and three. I'm captured by the initiative that's shown um, by the shepherd. Again, the parallelism here. It says, he leads me besides quiet waters. Verse three, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, when you begin to follow Jesus, here is a tremendous um, piece of good news. You are no longer alone. You're no longer on your own to navigate your own life. (laughs) You've got a leader. You've got somebody to guide you through this. The responsibility is not all on you. And actually, uh, being in charge of your own life is a burden bigger than any of us we're ever meant to carry. We're meant to live in this back and forth, dependent relationship on God. Uh, One of the consistent illustrations that's used in the Bible is that of a parent-child relationship. You know, just like we wouldn't expect a four-year-old to navigate their own life, you know, our lives work best when we are trusting God rather than trying to do this all ourselves. Now, certainly we do grow and we do mature, but we never graduate from living with this dependent connection on God. I mean, think about Jesus. In John, John chapter 5, earlier in, in John's gospel, Jesus said this. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And then there was this, this zinger. Jesus said, the Son can do nothing by himself. Did you get that? Holy cow, this is Jesus, the Son of God, saying, yeah, I'm, I, I'm dependent on my father. Like, he, he's not saying he's a weakling or he's incompetent. What he's saying is, like, I have learned how to live in this ongoing, back and forth, trusting relationship with God the Father. Wow, if that was true for him, man, isn't that definitely true for us? How much do we need that? To live in this dependent relationship where God is the one that's leading and he's guiding, he's taking responsibility for moving our lives in a particular direction. Our job is to follow, to follow his lead. You know, Jesus knew his father's voice and he followed it. And that's a key skill that we can develop as well. Where we're not distracted by another voice or other voices, but we're listening for the voice. We're listening for that call of our good shepherd. And then we're doing our very best to follow where he's leading. Look more closely even at the end of verse 3, where it says, He guides me along right paths for His name's sake. He guides me along right paths for His name's sake. 
It's worth acknowledging that there's a little bit of challenge to this, particularly for that last phrase, okay? Because here's how we'd often like to complete uh, that sentence. He leads me along the right path so I can have a happy life. He leads me along the right path maybe for my own comfort. He reads, leads me along the right path maybe I can be successful or I can achieve these things that I'm after. Okay, it's not like God's against all those things, but those aren't his primary goals. God's leadership in our lives is about placing us in a bigger story than we could ever imagine, and he has bigger goals uh, than we, could, we would typically settle for. Okay, so, so God not only promises, he doesn't just promise us uh, mere happiness, he promises more than that. He promises us this experience of abounding joy. It's not just mere comfort, God promises this deep security. It's not just success or trying to accomplish something, he's wanting to invite us into this connection with deep purpose and identity that cannot be shaken no matter what we walk through in life. Again, do you, can you catch how practical this is? Okay, it's, it's not just some nice thoughts that we put up on a refrigerator. Like God actually wants to lead your life, he wants to lead you in your family, he wants to lead you in your workplace. He wants to lead you as you're walking through school right now. He wants to lead you in all the different kinds of relationships, okay? And so as we go back and forth living in this dependent relationship, God can call. God can lead us in every single one of those. Now, we may not get a direct answer on every single issue, but friends, this is what he invites us into, that we're not meant to do life on our own. We're meant to do it in a connection with him. And so right now, where are you in need of God's leadership? Where do you need some of God's guidance in your life? You could take the courage today even to just lean further in and say, God, I need this. I want this. Thank you that you provide this kind of leadership in my life. That's a place that Jesus can meet you. Okay, next. Uh, the good shepherd can also provide reassurance and protection. We read this in verse 4, uh, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's touch on protection first. Verse 4 references walking through the darkest valley. Uh, as I was working on my notes this week, I um, actually started to think about a scene from the Lord of the Rings. We've got some Lord of the Rings fans out there. Okay, great deal. Okay, um, near the climax of the first film, Gandalf is leading a, the group through the mines of Moria when suddenly they are attacked by a fiery Balrog. I think that's the way I say that. This demon of the ancient world. Some of you remember this scene. And it's there that Gandalf stands on this bridge with a staff in his hand, and he shouts out at this demon, you shall not pass. Remember that? It's an amazing scene, not only in the, media, in the movie, but, you know, Tolkien, the writer of this, he was a believer. It's amazing symbolism of this messianic moment where Gandalf is represented as this shepherd leading this group and standing between them and the danger that was threatening them and saying, the only way that you're going to get to these guys is to go through me. You cannot go. <laughs> Do you hear that fierceness? Do you see that? Friends, this is the way that Jesus is our good shepherd. He stands between us and the threats that come to us. And he says, you shall not pass. 
He says, I'm going to be right in the middle of this. I'm going to be your protector. I'm going to be your guard. I'm going to be your shield. Now, that doesn't mean that nothing, you know, that it's going to protect us from every wrong thing that would ever happen. No, like we live in a broken and a fallen world, but we have someone that is there to guard us and protect us and to be a shield in so many ways. That is our good shepherd. You know, as I watched that clip again, I got emotional. You know, just looking at the way that Gandalf stood between the enemy and the people he was leading so that the members of the fellowship um, could go free. Maybe you want to take a, a moment, uh, a couple moments this week to watch that clip, or maybe just watch all 10 hours of all the Lord of the Rings movies, <laughs> you know, if you've got some extra time. Okay, so the Good Shepherd provides protection from outside dangers, but he also protects the sheep from hurting themselves, um, gently guiding them, you know, sometimes maybe even using the staff to make sure that they're not falling off some cliff, you know. Parents, think about this. You know what this is like with your kids, right? You know, certainly there's, there's dangers that we need to protect our kids from that are from the outside, but oftentimes what we're trying to do is just protect our kids from themselves, <laughs> you know, where they're just getting themselves into their own trouble. Thank God that he has that same commitment to us as his children. There's also a deep sense of reassurance uh, that we can receive from God. Friends, the antidote to fear is not the absence of doubt. It's also not being able to anticipate every danger ahead. The antidote to fear is God's presence and his love. That's what helps us to face fear head on. I mean, think about what Psalm 23 says. Though I walk, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. That's where our hope is. It's not about our strength meeting the challenges that are in front of us. It's the fact that the God of the universe has promised to be right next to us in the middle of whatever we're going through. And just another short story. This has been a sustaining word for me um, right in this current season, even that we're walking through as a church. Uh, about a month ago, as the challenges that we're facing um, really hit full force, one of my prayer times since God's speaking this word to me, saying, Brian, no matter what you face, I'm going to be right next to you. And, and that wasn't just like, oh, this is a nice word. Like, that was an spiritual reality for me right in that moment. I'm like, oh, God, I can, I can grasp onto this. God, this can give me hope because there's no way that I can anticipate every single thing that I might even face in a day, let alone weeks and months. But if I can hold on, God, to the fact that you've promised that no matter what I face, that you're right here with me, then I can go at that. Friends, the exact same thing is true for you. No matter what you face, God says, I'll be with you. I'm with you. And that may not mean that everything goes the way that we'd like, but that we have God's presence in whatever we may face. Now again, what, what fears might you be facing right now? Now where do you need God's reassuring presence? Maybe his comforting protection. You know, we can trust the good shepherd. He is faithful to provide these things that we need. Next look at uh, verse 5. Psalm 23 goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it overflows. This verse points to God's promise 
of experiencing abundance even in the midst of real threats. There's a number of ways that we might imagine this verse. I want to give you one to avoid and one to grasp onto, okay? So uh, an image that I'd encourage you to avoid would be this, um, uh, of imagining this verse of eating a feast in the presence of your enemies uh, in like a gloating fashion, as if like you've got a, uh, a spoonful of mashed potatoes loaded and ready to go to throw in your enemy's face. <laughs> I don't think that's super helpful, okay? Here's the image that I would encourage you more towards, okay? Even with threats encircling, maybe all about you, God is able to generously provide for you. The threats don't hinder that. And you're able to sit down, lean in. (laughs) You're able to be at this table. You're able to savor all that God has provided. And you can trust that God can be your shield to all the dangers that might be circling around you. You get that picture in your mind? You know, even though there's all these things that could be very real threats to you, there's this place of safety and security that God says, come and eat with me. (laughs) Come and enjoy my presence. Come and enjoy my provision. And we're able to find this peace and this contentment, even in the midst of so many things going on. You know, the good shepherd is able Uh, to lead us in this way. And I think this is such a contrast for how we often operate. We can sometimes think that we need everything to be fixed, uh, resolved before we can settle in to receiving. Or we might think, oh, I've got to cross off that last item on the to-do list, and then I can relax. That's not how this works. The Good Shepherd is inviting you into this experience of his generosity that isn't dependent on life being threat-free. We can actually experience this at any single moment. In a broader sense, uh, this is deeply tied to the Old Testament concept of shalom. You know, shalom is this kind of peace that's not defined by the absence of conflict. It's marked by a deep sense of well-being no matter what might be going on around us. And that is what Jesus is inviting us into as our good shepherd. Okay, one last one. Finally, in verse 6, we read this. Surely your goodness, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What can we receive from the Good Shepherd? We can receive the joy of being in God's presence forever. This comes back full circle to Revelation 21, mentioned right at the beginning of the, the, the message, where we're looking to the very end, the end of time, how God is going to make all things new. What does that look like? Revelation 21.3 says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. This is how the story ends with us enjoying God's presence forever. The good news is that we don't have to wait until we die in the by and by. (laughs) That presence is available to us right now. Right now by the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's personal deposit in our lives. The Spirit's presence is evidence that we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. And that presence reminds us that no matter what we face... We will never, ever, ever be alone. God is with us. God is on his throne. 
He is dwelling among us, and we can be his people. And he is pursuing us with his goodness. Uh, he's even tracking us down. I love how uh, another one of the translations says, it's like, you, Lord, <clears throat> you know, you are pursuing. Surely your goodness will pursue me all the days of my life. He's inviting us to follow his lead into the fullest life that we could ever imagine. Friends, this is the heart of the good shepherd. This is his intentions towards us. This is what he is making available to us. And so as we finish up here, here's a practical way that we can lean into this this morning. By simply acknowledging where we need that. Where do we need what the good shepherd so freely provides? What do we need that Jesus has made available to us. And we even just take a look at that list there. Rest and renewal, leadership and guidance, reassurance, protection, abundance, even in the midst of real threats, the joy of being in God's presence forever. Are there one or two of those that really strike you? Like, oh God, that's what I need. <laughs> God, that's what I'm longing for. This morning, could you just latch on to that and just say, God, I believe that this is what you want to do. And would you just do that more and more in my life, even right now, uh, today? So prepare to go and minister time. I'm going to read the final verse of uh, what I read uh, during communion, because I think this is such a great uh, extension of this invitation, where we can bring these real needs before God and trust that he will meet us. Again, this is Hebrews 4, uh, 4 verse 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, For there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Why don't you stand with me? Let's go ahead and turn to God in this moment. God, we want to just take this moment to come with boldness. You are a gracious God. Jesus, we want to believe that you are a good, a noble shepherd that's able to lead us into the very best life possible. And so, Spirit, would you just come right now and help us to even just recognize what you're stirring up in each one of our hearts today. God, we don't want to do life on our own. We just need you. And God, we're grateful that even these practical things that we might recognize our need for, that we can come with confidence, with boldness before you and just say, oh, God, would you bring, (laughs) would you bring this help that we need (laughs) when we need it most? Yeah, just come, Lord. One of the things I was so encouraged by as I was thinking about God's invitation is that we, we don't need to conjure up some fancy prayers. You know, sometimes it's just a few words, like I talked about from my experience of a few years ago, where I just said over and over, God, would you just restore my soul? And maybe you want to take one of these phrases from Psalm 23 and, and make that into your own prayer this morning. God, I need your leadership. 
God, would you just help me experience your presence? God, could you help me rest even in the midst of threats all around me? Whatever that might be for you. Yeah, just come, Lord. If you're on our ministry team, why don't you start to make your way up um, here. Um, we just want to transition into some more worship. And, and yeah, I really do think that uh, there are a number of things that God may be dialing up for different ones of us here in this room today, maybe even those of you that are online today. Real life stuff. Real life stuff, friends. God sees it. He's inviting us into bringing those real needs before him. He wants to be our good shepherd. So will we let him do that? So for you in person, I um, just encourage you as we go back into worship, um, we've got our prayer ministry team up here that would be available to uh, just come alongside as you bring these very real things um, before Jesus. Uh, could be things that we've already mentioned. Could be something totally different. Whatever it might be, you can come um, before God. Uh, also, just feeling this nudge of, like, you know, maybe you're in a spot where you have been taking responsibility for your whole life. <laughs> and even as I mentioned that earlier, you're like, it's like, I don't have to bear that burden. Like, that's what surrendering to Jesus uh, can look like. And so if we could explain more, kind of help you walk into what a trusting relationship with God could look like through Jesus. Uh, we would love to be able to do that. But anything that you, you want to just bring before prayer, let's worship God. Let's pour our hearts out to him. Thanks for being here this morning at the Vineyard.